This is Work of the Beat. It is Friday, April 2nd, 2021. I'm Kevin Cooney. Thanks for joining us. Happy Easter to those who celebrate. As it comes up this Sunday, today is Good Friday, obviously. For well, happy Passover. Happy Passover. To those who celebrate that. Yeah. Uh, as we get into the spring holidays, uh, final four weekend coming up, Phillies have opened. Kevin, you're Catholic, right? Yes. Remember when Good Friday used to be like a big deal, or am I missing the point? No, it still is. Yeah, but not, I don't think, when I was growing up, because I lived in a neighborhood that was mostly Catholic, and I just remember, it just seemed like it was a bigger, yeah, I remember there was a time when people weren't allowed to come out between 12 and 3. You stayed in your house, because that's when, you know, Christ supposedly was on the cross, you know, crucified, right. and, and um. You know, I mean, look, things change in the world. I, I but it just well, seemed like it was kind of more of a deal then. I don't know. Maybe I, I'm I, I would say that, and we're. I should re- note we're recording this at ten fifty-five in the morning. So, um, I do not watch television between twelve and three. Okay, uh, no, that's good. I mean, it, it's more a, a period of of reflection in sure. my mind. Uh, obviously, the big one for for Catholics, and they know this. Uh, no meat. On, on Good Friday or any Friday during Lent, but or Ash Wednesday for that matter, it's a sign. Yeah, it used to be. It used to be any Friday. Friday they changed period. the rules. Um, I remember when they changed the rules because I made fun of all my Catholic friends, and I'm like, so for however many years you couldn't eat on you know Friday, and then all of a sudden the Pope says, ah, yeah, let's go ahead. And well, eat. I I, like, I I could tell a story here, like a, a quick one minute story. So I went to Alhambra. For the uh, Catholic Invitational Tournament down Frostburg, Maryland. And they ca- still do that, by the way. That used to I, be awesome, I don't, right? Yeah, it was great. I went with Ted the one year. Ted and right. Nutman yeah, and all that. that. Was a big deal. Right. <clears throat> well, it was in the middle of Lent. And it was a Friday. It was the first week of the tournament. I remember it because it was the year that Villanova lost to Old Dominion. Okay? 95. 95. Yeah. And the tournament sponsor was McDonald's. And... They provided all the meals for everybody. That means that means Nutman was happy. Oh my god! <laughs> and they provided all, they provided all the meals for everybody who was at the tournament. Problem was on a Friday that meant you were limited in theory to just fillet of fish sandwiches. And if anybody's ever had McDonald's fillet of fish, I'm not a fan of it. Um, my wife likes them. Okay. So I'm yeah. I'm I'm, I'm kind of with you. But, um, yeah. Uh, and so we wake up on on Sunday morning or on Friday morning, and we go down to the lobby, and there's a big sign saying that the Archbishop of Baltimore, which oversaw Frostburg, Maryland, had granted special dispensation <laughs> to everybody at the tournament to have to not have or to have meat if they provided another sacrifice at another time and all that. So mm-hmm. basically, like I, I looked at it as like you know. Really? For a basketball tournament? <laughs> you know, like, um, and I'm, I'm not trying to knock Catholics, okay? But my take on this is all those special dispensation things are bullcrap. You either have the, like, or you I don't. I, I'm my, kind of my with friend you. friend got an annulment, got married, and the marriage didn't work out. Mm-hmm. As long as he gave en- enough money to the church. Oh, I, 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 there's, and, I had a family member that, who did that. That's not religion. That's no, extortion. That's not. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so, but I, but I, hey, look, all the people, I know some people that are really, like, deeply Catholic, and you know what? Good for them. I, and I'm, I, I'm a Easter Christmas Catholic, and even yeah, this year. That's okay. Right. I mean, you know, um, my wife 
is divorced, uh, and mm-hmm. she was told she could go get an annulment, and she, you know, look, yeah. she had two children with her previous husband. Yeah. She did. She didn't want to get an annulment. I mean, yeah, you know, there, that, that's a long, that's complicated. And, and, sure. Um, let's, and I'm sure every religion's like that. I'm sure if I, I dug into the Jewish religion or the or other religions, there's probably similar type things. But sure. I, I just always found it amazing that what what there was rules. What are you? Then we'll change uh, the rules. What, I, I I I can't believe I'm asking you this on the air. What religion are you? I was I, I grew up Lutheran. Okay. Um, went to the church. It's, it's near Cotman and um, and Frankfurt. Okay, um, I, I know which one. Yeah, I, and I can't. Why I can't think of the name of it? Saint, uh, not Saint. Anyway, right. Good Shepherd. It was Good, Good Shepherd. Shepherd. And then um, I just sort of got out of religion when when yeah. you know when I, I was an acolyte and I, and then we got married in a I think it was an Episcopal church because it was my mom's church up on Frankfurt Avenue near uh, Brown School. Okay, right, it's right next to it, kind of. But I haven't been in church in you know, like I a said, I'm an, uh, yeah. I'm an Easter Christian or I'm I'm an Easter Christmas Catholic. I yeah. mean, I used to go to Christmas Eve service w- with my wife and right. my mom, the candlelight thing, like at eleven o'clock, and then I don't know, we just sort of stopped doing that, I guess, at some point. And my my wife and my daughter sometimes still go. Um, um, and yeah, I wish I was maybe more religious, but I it's those little things like I was explaining to you that just kind of well i also i mean for know, years i had no access well i don't want to say i had no access to church but i mean you know like i worked every sunday <laughs> either yeah. between football or, well, or you baseball get, you get up you, you do with the people this is the other thing i used to love when i was like a teenager we worked at the, like the mayfair diner and my friend you know would go to the 6 a.m service on the way home from the saturday night shift because it was like a 15 minute service mm-hmm. at st bernard's and you got in you got out and i'm like well, if church is really important to you, like you know, you know, yeah. go to church. You know, what I mean, my my one friend, my one of my best friends, we'd be down the shore and what, and, and they had it on Saturday night about five o'clock at our hotel. A priest came over and did a service, like by poolside. And I'm thinking, no, if you really are serious about it, get up on Sunday morning after you went out all night drinking and go to church. <laughs> right. But my way of looking at it is if, if I try to lead my life the right way, and I don't always do that, you know, like everybody else, I screw mm-hmm. up. Um, you know, somewhere, some whoever's out looking for us is going to look down and say, hey, he's trying. Yeah. Uh, I should point out that uh, Oops. I actually should probably plug in my computer. That would be a good thing. Um, yeah. I, I and look, and to all the people who really are, are religious, God bless you. Absolutely. I know, I mean, to each a, his own. I mean, yeah, I mean, no, but that's a good thing. It just, I just don't like it when sometimes we take it too seriously and then, you know, wars break out because two, two religions can't get along with each other. And sure. I'm like, well, that's kind of stupid, but, well, you know, people die in the name of a lot of things. Right. Uh, you know. So we're seven and a half minutes in the show. We haven't talked one sports thing. Let's change that. Um, All right. <laughs> Phillies are going 162 and zero, man. Uh, opening day was yesterday. Um, one. I understand people haven't had baseball. For a long, I mean, in, I get it. To all those people who miss going to the stadium, I, I totally get it. But I'm listening today to a couple people, and it's like, man, that, yeah, I know it's only one game, but but that was great. You know, we beat the Braves in a book. Dudes, 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 dudes. When are we going to start dudes. treating baseball like football? Or even basketball and hockey? You can't judge things by one or two games. 
Um, you know, and I understand why they're doing it. I, I, you know, it's it's better than losing to the Braves, but you know, it's it's well one game. I mean, look, I, I, and opening day always gets this hyper hyperventilation one way or another. You know, either they're going to either lose all one sixty two or they're going to win all one sixty two. Only when they take the starting pitcher out after sixty five pitches. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I thought of him yesterday. I really sure did. You did, and then I wa- I actually watched the Giants game last night uh, from Seattle. They were up five mm-hmm. nothing when I fell asleep. But hey, I got a question for you because yes. I really don't know the answer, and I'm sure you do. So in the tenth inning, the mm-hmm. rule that I think is so stupid. Yeah, I was going to get into that in a second, but go ahead. Does the Braves pitcher get charged for an earned no. run? No. So there's no okay. There's I, no I earned run. I, but he did he does he get charged with an inherited run scored? Because that seems kind of unfair too. That I do, that I can't answer for you. Yeah. Well, it isn't unheard of. Wrong. Uh, what's unfair is it goes down as a loss. Like it goes down well, as yeah, a pitcher I loss. I, I think that's yeah. unfair. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, I, I know you have to you know create like you almost hate saying it. Create like a team loss category or something. Yeah, you know, I mean, if a, if a well, it's like hockey with the shootouts, and I can't keep up with that. I mean, so, uh, but yeah. look. I think the one thing, look, the Phillies did a really uh, a, a full house cleaning on their bullpen. Um, sure, and you know, I, there there were some positive. Obviously, yesterday when you see what Brogdon did and Bradley and Neris, they're going to be better in the bullpen, Kevin, because they couldn't be worse, right? Um, and, and they might be appreciably better, but that may still only make them like somewhere in the middle of Major League Baseball, which is still good. Yeah. Well, if, they, if they were, I was just going to say, if they were in the middle of Major League Baseball last year, they probably made the playoffs. And oh, not probably. They would have. No, they would have, and they might have maybe won Around. something in the playoffs. Who the hell knows? I mean, they would have had the Cubs. And... Yeah. But the thing that the thing that, I, uh, that bothers me is this guy, everybody's getting excited about the left-hander and throws 100. Yeah. But he's Mitch Williams. So, yeah, it's great that he can, but every time he comes in, yeah, and I love Mitch. Don't get me wrong. They don't win the 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 the, the thing in '93. I don't care if Mitch gave up the home run to the Torontos. That he was he just had nothing left at that point. But they don't get there without him. But there's going to be a lot of innings where he's going to walk the bases loaded. So just get just get used to it. You know, and he'll he'll throw 100 miles and strike somebody out, and that's great too. But um, he scares me. But he's better than what they had. So yeah, I mean, you know. Honestly, again, you re game one for what it is. I mean, it's game one, and and they all count. They all count. Yeah. Uh, Noah I mean, pitched. Noah pitched well, but I didn't think. Yeah, you know, like you hear him today, it's like, oh my god, he's Cy Young. It's like you, yeah. you're so, you're so tough on him, Kev. Kevin, you got to take a step back. You really do, Kevin. But I mean, he threw shut out baseball against the Atlanta Braves for six and two thirds. He also he had he also had two okay. balls blown back that would have been in the fifth row. So what? I'm just saying. The other, pitch, the other pitcher did too. Oh, so, I so, I don't disagree. It's like that's what Kevin, we're saying. The everybody calm down bit. Kevin, he pitched six shutout innings. Okay, and then gave up a two run homer. I know nobody's, but but as soon as Noah does one thing, you're all, you're all over him. It's like it's like the thing with the Eagles. I, I mean, expect, I'm just telling you. I expect more. I expect more from him. You 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 want him to be Sandy Koufax? He's not Sandy Koufax. So. Just get used to that. Nobody in baseball is Sandy Koufax anymore. I mean, I'm here talking the other day. Guys talking about winning 15 games and that being a great year. 
Christ, when I was growing up, 15 games meant you were the fourth starter. I mean, so if you're a take contender, it for what yeah. it's worth. I mean, the Braves pitcher couldn't adjust yesterday because his his um uh, the the wind was screwing up his curveball curve and ball. stuff, and he couldn't find the strike zone. And and he still pitched but, a decent. But game. I I think my point basically is Mike that that Aaron Nola pitched well. I'll go. He pitched well. You know. Let's well, no, you weren't. You were. You were kind of saying. No, he, he pitched. He was fine. He was. Well, how do you want people to? Okay, react how, to how do you how do you miss? All right, if we want to be critical on anything, Real Mudo set up a foot outside, and you come in on Sandoval. He missed a pitch, Kevin. Pitcher he missed it by two and a half pitches. feet. And bump. So what? The guy throws eighty pitches. He's not going to throw one or two or three or four where he's not supposed to. You're Kevin. You got it. Really, you got. I mean, look. Bone made a great play that took him out of that one yeah. thing. But then you go. If you're, if I will say what one thing. Do today is say that he didn't pitch, like because he made the mistake in the seventh. Somehow it t- he pitched for game one of a season. He pitched well in, in 30, 40 mile, whatever the temperature was. Yeah, but you but you didn't say that. You're, oh, you're like, pitched, well, people no. got to calm down. It was a good game. Well, but I think that's it. Speaks to the point. It's game one. That's all. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I, I'm um, not knocking. The last thing I'm doing about yesterday's game is knocking Aaron Nola's performance. Where do you see them? You know, it's still early enough. You could give a pick. Where do you see them finishing? We we already went over this. I I, I said I think they're probably going to win. You know. 83, 84, 85 games. Right. We're both and in the same range. I don't think that will it won't get them in the playoffs. Won't get them in the playoffs. In the current playoff format, which I guess it's going to be, they're not going to change it midstream. Um because you're <laughs> you never know. probably get two out of the West unless something happens to to the Padres. Um yeah, and that leaves one wild card spot. Um you know, uh yeah. Uh, but I think they'll be they'll be interesting to watch all year. They'll give you a reason to watch, um, and I just think it'll probably come up a little short. But they'll take a step forward. They'll have a winning record for yeah. the first time since 2011. Yeah, and I, I guess that's a good thing. Yeah, and I, you know I think they're I think they're probably in the 85 win range. Uh, I think that the one thing I worry about. It's strange to say this after yesterday. I worry about their infield defense a little bit, especially. Well, their defense isn't great, right? I mean, other than the catcher, um, um yeah, a couple other guys. Yeah, I mean, they're not. To, they're I think so, Didi's totally okay, bad. but but I worry about Segura at second. I worry especially yeah. at Hoskins at first. Hoskins at first yeah. is a is a nightmare. He made a nice, he made a nice scoop yesterday on that one play. Um, yeah, then he threw the one away. It could have been uh, called two errors. They, they don't have. Gold Glovers. No, they don't. Bone's not a Gold Glover. No, I mean, not. they don't. It's just that's the nature and they're, of their but team. But their pitchers rely a lot on ground balls. And yeah, that's well, where I... Look, I mean, their center fielder made a nice play in the 10th inning. Yeah, he did. Uh, their other center fielders hurt again. That that could be a recurring theme forever. Um, if Ferreira was in center field, they probably don't throw that guy out. No. If, if, the, if, if, uh, if, if Hazley... If they have a different catcher, the guy's probably not out because he made a great block of the plate without getting called for a block of the plate. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I, I want to go back. By the way, to the extra inning rule thing, um, I've determined the way I th- I want them to solve this. I'm I'm a realistic that they don't want to have it long, super long extended games, and I understand that. 
Okay, they don't want to. They don't want to tax bullpens for multiple days and and all that. But in the tenth and the eleventh inning, just play the game normal, and then bring everybody. You know, then, if you want to do this in the twelfth, that's fine. But uh, you know, I I just feel like it was. I just don't like it. I don't like the rule. I don't like the. Uh, I got it a little bit last year because of the shortened season and everything with the pandemic. Um, I'm just not a fan of it. Uh, I would love to see a stat that tells me how many teams, like per team, let's say, play games that go 12 or more innings, let's say. Uh, you would have a better idea of this than I would. But I'm going to say in a, in a normal year, the Phillies might play four or five games. That way. That go like 12 innings or more. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, does that mess your bullpen up? Yeah, I'm sure it does for a couple of days after if you don't get good stuff. But you know what? It's like the same way I feel about, and I've come to kind of accept it, the overtime rule in hockey uh, and then the shootout. It's not hockey. You know, I know people are entertained by it. I understand that. The three on three. Yeah, first it was four and four, now it's three on three. And then, if, God forbid, if we don't decide it then, we're going to go to a shootout, and both teams are going to get a point. One team, yeah, you know what? It's the more you gimmick things up. I keep hearing this thing like we got to try to attract different people. You ain't attracting nobody. The only thing you're doing is pissing people off that are purists, and they're dying off anyway. So it doesn't matter. Baseball is a dying sport. They can come up with a million different ways till Saturday about how they're going to move the pitcher's mound back a foot. Uh, time the pitches, do this. It is not going to change whether people watch baseball or not. And they got to come to that conclusion. You either like baseball or you don't like baseball. It's a slow-moving game. The The first three innings yesterday took an hour and 20 minutes to play, yep. give or take. That's baseball. If you don't like it, then you're not going to watch. And that's <coughs> you know, all these gimmicks. Like the one the Eagles wanted to propose for the overtime in football. I didn't even understand what they're proposing. What is wrong with the overtime rule in football now, as it presently stands? One team gets uh, the toss. I, if they score a touchdown, you lose. I, I honestly have one tweak on the overtime rule in football. Uh, I would say that instead, I would go back to the 15-minute overtime period. Um, instead of 10? Instead of 10. That's fine, but I'm talking about the rule itself. Oh, the rule itself is fine. You, well, know, you, score, not, you score a touchdown, you, the game's you over. You don't like it. No. Oh. You score a touchdown, the game's over in, on Did the first you see drive. what the Eagles were trying to propose? I saw it. it well, or no, that was for the two-point Wait a minute, wait a minute. That was for onside kicks. But somebody was proposing something. Now, there's a rule I actually would change. Uh, I Look, it, 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 you know, it, it, just, they're trying to make the game safer because they're finding out that guys' brains are fried. So if not having onside kicks helps 10 guys not have fried brains, 20 years down the road, you know, I'm all, I'm all for it. I agree. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it, you play the game as the game is played. You don't, once you start gimmicking up the game, and as much as I'm not a soccer guy, I don't like soccer. I watch the world cup. I think the world cup's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love the world cup Yep. because you get the emotions in it and all that kind of stuff. And, and you do have to, you have to know the nuances of soccer to really appreciate it. And I don't. I hate the penalty kick because nobody ever stops the penalty kick, but whatever. But they don't change. No. Now, they do go to a shootout if they play 30 minutes of overtime. Me, personally, I would keep playing until somebody drops over, but that's right. me. Um, and maybe in soccer it makes sense. 30 minutes, okay. 
We haven't decided in 30 minutes. But then you get some teams who play for the, the penalty kicks, and I don't like that. But you just can't gimmick the game up. Well, yeah, I'm and, sorry. And, and I'll say this. Like, I'm okay with baseball doing the DH. I am. Uh, yeah, I've I've come to that conclusion. I don't like it. I don't like it, but but it, um, but it, it, it it's, it's the way of the is. world, and it's easier. The DH is in every other league in in the sport except the National League. So yeah. why is the National League different? You shouldn't be playing under a different set of rules on that. That's one. Two, um, I would I would enforce uh I would enforce the strike zone the way it's meant to be enforced, which is letter to knee. And well, that'll never have. It hasn't been like that since the 1970s. I understand. Uh, I would um, I would put the pitch clock in. I would enforce a 20-second, you know, and, and, and by the same token, I would make batters stay in the box with a foot in the box. I don't think you need to step out every time. I don't. Well, good luck with that. Well, you need umpires who are going to enforce it, and that's well, part what, of the problem. Well, no, but what you need is you need people to sit down and watch and it's, this isn't fair because you can say the same thing about the NFL well, in different ways, but watch a game from the nineteen early 1970s. Right. Watch Bob Gibson pitching against Carlton. Watch that game. Batters didn't step out. No. Uh, pitchers got the ball back, pitched. Now, Mike, Mike I'm not even going to go back to the 1970s. I'm going to go back to like the two, early 2000s. Yeah. But that's when, But what I'm saying is back then was when the strike zone was what you're yeah. talking about. Um, you know, I you used to you watch games from back then, and the pitch will come across right in the middle of the chest. It's a strike, yeah. And the batters knew it was a strike. And now, if, God forbid, if it's anything above the waist, but now they call strikes below the knee, hey. which is you, you know I, I don't look. It's just the way sports evolve. Basketball isn't called the same way it was called thirty five years ago. It's, it's it, sports evolve. Um, hockey isn't the same as it was thirty five forty years ago. It's a different game. Um, so, you know, I mean, baseball takes a long and, time to play. And the biggest, pro- and the biggest problem the sports have is not something you can regulate with rules. No, you can't. Like, I, I'll tell you the rule I hate, Kevin, and I, I have it, is that three batter minimum crap. Yeah. I, I, to me, one of the things is if you got a great manager and he can manage himself through an inning by throwing three yeah. guys out there or yeah, whatever. I, I, I've come, I come around on that with you. I agree. No, but, but if you got, you can't, you, you can't tell a manager how to manage his team. Um, and especially like when you get to the postseason, where like, you know, every pitch is important. Every, everything's, uh, I, I just don't, you know, if I want to bring in a lefty to face a lefty and then bring in a righty and I've managed my bullpen well enough to be able to do that. Well, kudos to me. I mean, I don't know, but again, they're 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 try they're doing all these things to try to speed the game up, and if all of them work, they're going to save ten minutes. Do you think anybody sitting watching a baseball game cares if it goes three minutes or three twenty? Absolutely well, not. Do we care when it goes four and a half when the Red Sox are playing the Yankees? Yeah. Then we sit there and go, man, that was a long game. But but, it, but Mike, the problem is not enough action in the sport, and what I mean by that is everybody wants to hit a home run. They want to take. Well, that walks. ain't going to change. That's well, the, that's how they play baseball now. You either hit home I actually runs. Talk, nobody is a contact hitter. Right. I actually was. They don't pay contact hitters. I was. What in, was the Pete Rose? Oh, go ahead. No, no. I was in a uh, a Zoom call uh, earlier in the spring uh, with Charlie Manuel. Uh, Char- Charlie was talking about different things, and we 
we asked him about the way that the game is played. And, and, you know, he got to watch it last year from a different perspective than he's been used to, you know, by watching it basically just at home. And he said that he thinks that people understand now that the, the uppercut and the everybody having an uppercut and everybody trying to jack balls out of the ballpark is not the way to go and how much it's yeah, hurt the Kingery. game. Yeah. And but that's the way they coach because that launch well, he believes crap bowl, and I'm not, it may not be crap bowler. There may be something to it. Like your launch angle gives you, but once Pete Rose said this 40 years ago, they don't pay singles hitters. No. Now he got paid because he was Pete Rose. But I remember when the Phillies signed him for that $800,000 in 1979. And it was unheard of to sign a guy. Rod Carew never made as much money as Reggie Jackson. That's just the nature of the beast. And guys want to hit 40 home runs now because that's what, I mean, the guy, the, the money that the Mets just gave the shortstop is kind of um, against baseball. You know, the guys that kind of get that money are the, the guys like Tatis and Harper mm-hmm. and, and, and Mike Trout and those guys because people want to see the ball go out of the park. The chicks dig the long ball. Well, if you're going to do that, you're going to strike out a lot. I was there was some stat the other day, Kevin. They gave out on um, oh my god, must have been ESPN. It was in like in two thousand two, there was thirteen thousand more um hit balls, right? Balls in play, balls in play, strikeouts. Mm-hmm. Five years or three years ago, there was more strikeouts than hit balls. Yeah, how is that possible? Is it because guys are throwing a hundred now? I can actually tell you that uh, there was my buddy, Kevin Kernan, who I really should get on this show. Uh, get him on. Yeah, Kevin, long time from the New York Post, uh, great baseball writer. And he he did a whole thing the other day about um, uh, about how the sport needs to evolve. And he's rooting for baseball as baseball comes back. Okay, in the last full season, which was 2019, 42,823 strikeouts, 15,895 walks. So 58,718 plate appearances where absolutely nothing happened. Yep. But but what was the numbers? Like, I would like to see what the numbers were in 2005. So I could compare them to see how much they've changed. Right. And I don't have an answer. To I don't that, have so. an answer. But it but, just but to me, he, like when we were growing up, or when, well, I grew up before you, but contact was a big thing. But like putting the ball in play. I, I remember when our, my kid was playing, and we, we always taught them a strikeout's the worst thing that can ever happen to you because nothing happens other than hitting into a double play, I guess. But if you put the ball in play, I remember I covered Boyertown, my first year covering the suburbs. I think it was like 1982, mm-hmm. and their manager. Bunted the ball like 15, 10 times a game. Yeah. And they won. They won a mm-hmm. state title. And his reasoning was, we're going to make the other team field the ball. Oh. <laughs> and I'm thinking like, okay. <laughs> Makes sense. Like, I mean, look. Yeah, it, but, I mean, yeah. you could take it to an extreme too. But sure. Like, I look at it as the fine points of the game. Yeah, we talk about strategy in the game a lot. And that's part of the charm of the game is strategy. Yep. Stolen, it's nuances. Right. The stolen right. base has been taken out of the equation. Well, I think it goes back to how, and you would know more about this than I would, but how players are taught, not only in minor leagues, but coming up as they're playing. 
Right. When they play in high school, when they play in college, when they play, because obviously those things aren't getting taught the same way. Taught the same way. And it's discouraged by some organizations because they feel it's a needless risk. Yeah. Well, you remember the Dodgers, what they used to call it, like we teach them the Dodger way? Yeah. What was that? Yeah. And, and like, you know, Paul Paul Owens and even Ed Wade did the Philly way. They did a whole manual, which was the way that you were supposed to be taught different things in the game. Uh, um, I'll tell you what, like the best at bat yesterday, if you watch the Phillies game, my favorite at bat of the whole game was by a brave. And it was by Freddie Freeman in the 10th inning man on second Freeman comes up and he's not trying to power it into the fifth, uh, into the fourth deck. He moved the runner. He moved the runner. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I was listening on radio at that time and, and, Tom McCarthy and uh, you mean, who was on the radio? Fransky um, and Anderson. They, they, that, the first thing Larry Anderson said was basically that. What a nice piece of hitting by Freddie Freeman. It, literally, and, just put the ball on yeah, the bat, put it on the right side, get the runner to third, and, and it's man on third, one out. You remember when... when it didn't I mean, work, when, but... The number three hitter on your... The, the best hitters on your team were the guys that went gap to gap. Yeah. Right center to left center. They they would hit a they might not hit a you know forty home runs, but they were, you know, line drive hitters. There aren't a lot of those guys no, around anymore. And they that bring, and that brings long, us to the Kingery case. Like Kingery, the Phillies are trying to get Kingery to yeah. become that type of hitter. Boy, once and, and I think Hoskins has been ruined. This is John Mal the damage John Malley did to those two guys. Yeah, but didn't Kingery have a have a hitting coach though too that he was working that with? That too. Came out yeah, I mean, and I don't totally. You know, look, the player has to know thyself. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, but Mally and and this is a systematic thing that the Phillies did when Mally was here. They made every one of the minor league coaches a disciple of John Mally, and it was information mm-hmm. overload. Like that's Reese Hoskins' problem. Reese Hoskins is was so overwhelmed. With yeah. every bit of swing angle and hitch, and mm-hmm. and, and, and he became t- he didn't process it quick enough when he was this at the is, plate. This is why I hate analytics, Kevin. And I realize there's good to analytics. Oh, too. there's a lot of good. I'm not, I'm not sitting there. I'm not this guy who's saying. Yeah, but the, the, the you get these analytics people who just it's it's analytics or nothing. I remember when Mike Schmidt came up, and this is one of the reasons why he got booed for a long time. He struck at the cra- He struck out so many times. He was, you know, and and he, he kind of, now, how Mike developed, I don't know how Mike developed, whether it was him, whether he was working with the hitting coaches at the time. And Mike was never Which was really to Mars, right. I mean, let's not get that wrong. But he developed into a guy who didn't strike out. Yeah, and look, he struck out a lot. Reggie Jackson struck out a lot. That That's what those guys did. I mean, they weren't Kingman. You know, they weren't Dave no. Kingman. But, um, but hitters, I, I just don't think... It's just a different world we live in. It's, it's it's you know, and a guy knows if he hits thirty-five to forty home runs, maybe well, once or twice, he's going to get three hundred million dollars. And, and Mike, uh, you know, I'll, I'll use the Schmidt example. Schmidt didn't have a natural uppercut. Like no, Schmidt, didn't. Did, Schmidt didn't lo- care about launch angle. Schmidt used no. to. If you ever there's a if you can find it on YouTube, there's a video around when Schmidt was hit around his five hundred home run that the Phillies put out. Mm-hmm. And Schmidt would go and teach some of the young kids in camp. And Schmidt always compared hitting a baseball to chopping a tree. And you almost swing down with the idea mm-hmm. that the ball will jump off the top 
well, what is of the got? golf swing, Kevin? Oh, it's swinging down. You hit down on the ball. This is what amateurs like me have trouble fathoming in our mind because we try to scoop the ball up. Right. You watch a pro. He hits down on the ball. That's why his divot is in front of the, the, the ball, yeah. not behind the ball. And it makes the ball go up. Yeah. It's just, I, I thought, and you covered this guy, so obviously I I thought one of the best swings ever was Chase Utley's. Yeah, it was short, it was, that, it was compact, that, and it was, it, it, I mean. Everybody could swing like that. And look at the power he generated from that little swing. Now, he wasn't the greatest hitter that ever came down. I mean, you know, no. it wasn't like his lifetime batting average was 330. I mean, you, I could go back to guys like Rod Carew who could you know, who I'll do gi- anything I'll give you another. I'll give you another guy who had a great swing. Bobby Abreu had a great swing. Uh, okay, and I, I don't remember Bobby's swing as much. So Bobby was mainly torso and it was never an uppercut. Yeah. I mean, he would finish in an up position, but he would right. always catch the ball out in front and he would catch it in, in a way where the bat was almost, he almost hate saying it at the lowest point, but he would right. be able to catch it and, and release. I think the, the problem now is Kevin, <clears throat> everything is so power. And I'm not saying, look, there were power pitchers years ago. Sure. I mean, God forbid. We known Ryan pitched, uh, you know, um, the, the J. guy. Uh, J.R. Richard. Unit. I mean, look, right. there were guys who could, I mean, Steve Carlin could throw a baseball. Yeah. But you also had guys like Tommy John and 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 guys who, who were just nibbled at you and, and whatever. I think guys had to be, now everything, you, you had so many guys coming in throwing in the high 90s that I think it almost, it, it almost makes this kind of game the way it's got to be. You know, if you hit a 98-mile-an-hour fastball, it's going to probably go a long, long way. way, but you're also going to miss it a lot. Yeah, uh, and that's the way. What did the Phillies try to do this year? They tried to get guys who could throw hard because last year none of their guys could throw hard, and that's why they got tattooed. Um, yeah, well, yeah, they weren't very good, but you know, and that, and that's why, tattooed. like, and that's why, like, a guy like Matt Moore, and I don't know if Matt Moore is going to be good for this team or not, but he's kind of a change of pace guy. So he can't have everybody throwing. Right. So that actually may work out well for them. I think, and one of the things is, if a guy comes in, like like the guy Chapman, right? Mm -hmm. If he comes in, he's throwing 100, Mm -hmm. and he gets beat. Let's just say, or Goose Gossage, he he got beat. You could almost say, okay, hey, threw 100 miles an hour, somebody hit it out. (laughs) But if you have a guy throwing 90 that gets beat up, you're like, hey, you know, geez, he wasn't, you know. that's just my take on it. It's just everything. And I think we see that in a lot of sports. Everything is power. But baseball, everything is about power. Um, you know, ballparks are a little smaller now than they once were maybe. Um, back certainly when we, when they had the cookie cutter, you know, ballparks. Um, so I don't know. I, and I don't, But I don't think it's ever going to change and go back. Because once you're looking for guys that throw 100, why are you going to start looking for guys to throw nine? Yeah, and the shame of all this is, Kevin. There's probably some really good prospects out there that never really get the chance because they can only throw ninety two or ninety three. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know what to do because if you're a scout, it's like the old thing. If a scout recommends a guy that throws ninety two and he doesn't pan out, well, then the scout is probably going to be in trouble. Well, to be honest, but, anymore right. with scouts being dismissive and uh, dismissed anyway in some circles in the right. sport. But it's the same thing with the NFL draft. If you take a guy that everybody thinks is supposed to be good and he bombs, right? well, you can say, hey, everybody thought he was going to be good. You know, and that's why I think a lot of guys are afraid to take chances on certain guys because they want to be able to say, well, you know, look, 
you know, Tony Mandridge, who wouldn't have taken him second? You know? Sure. Yeah. Uh, let, let, let me get to um let me get let me get to actually speaking of the NFL draft. Since last week we were off on Friday. Uh we have not had a shot to talk about um we have not had a shot to talk about the Eagles trade. Trade down from six to twelve. Uh get a first round pick next year from uh Miami, which means they'll have in theory, if Carson Wentz plays seventy five percent of the snaps for the Colts. They'll have three first round picks. Um and they moved up this year. And they well, moved up like from one fifty three to one twenty twenty. Yeah, there's a there's like a third round pick or a fourth round pick or whatever the hell it is. They moved up like thirty spots. Yeah. Um right. So they can take Pomfrey. <laughs> Your initial thoughts, because I think you can kind of guess where I my thoughts are. Well, First of all, there's there was a report out there that, and I, I'm guessing it came from Howie, um, to one of his guys that they were trying to move up to get Zach the BYU Wilson. Zach Wilson, yeah, yeah. They didn't have enough to give up to get the BYU quarterback. Nope. Like, why is anybody even listening to that story? The Eagles don't have three first round draft picks and a starter and a second round pick to give up to get a quarterback. That then you would be surrounding him with nothing which is the same predicament you're in now, even if the guy from BYU is better than Jalen Hurts or Justin Fields is better than Hurts or whatever. I understand why they did it. Um, the player they're going to get at 12 is not going to be as good as the player they're going to get at 6, but they they, they figured they're, they're telling you they don't think they're going to win this year. Mm-hmm. They're telling you they need more help. Okay, fine. It buys Howie more time. Mm-hmm. Okay. My problem with it, my biggest problem is, well, one is, why do you make that trade last week? Yeah. Because now the story is out that the number six pick in the draft is now the most valuable commodity in this draft. And he sold it. The Dolphins could turn around tomorrow and make another move. Then there's also a rumor that the Eagles might try to move back up. Well, if they do, so they're going to move up to what? I I mean, like, why would you? Well, you're not moving. You're not moving. Well, here's another part of this I don't like. You're moving behind 10 is the Cowboys, 11 is the Giants. Like, Right. Well, yeah. I, I, yeah. Why? I I, I understand why they did it. I don't. I would have held that pick until I had more of an idea how this draft was unwinding. Because you could do it on the draft day. You don't have to do, you know. It just seems to me like the Eagles are like, yeah, we're getting another number one. And we're moving up. Okay, fine. I'm telling you right now, with the Eagles in all likelihood, all the mock drafts now that they have, they're not going to get the wide receiver. Nope. Okay. They didn't want. I don't think they wanted a quarterback anyway. No, that, I don't. I don't thing. either. And that's fine. You, you that's can, fine. I don't think if they had kept the sixth pick and Trey Lance was on the board or Mac Jones or whatever, right. Carolina or something like whatever they would have done. Because now there's a rumor that New England's going to move up to 11, but to take the quarterback if there's a quarterback left, but. You have to, you have to play the market a little better. You don't sell. You don't I, short sell. I well, but we don't know if they short sold. I mean, I don't know what they would. I would have held on to it. I would have let the next three weeks play out. Yeah, I agree. My, yeah, because I think the price for the six pick would have only went up. But I could be wrong, because if all the quarterbacks are gone at that point, you know, now somebody's saying there could be five quarterbacks taken in the first five picks. I don't think that's going to happen. But if it does, then the sixth pick isn't as valuable. 
unless you really want Pitts or you really want the the, the one of the wideouts. But what I think is going to happen now is the uh, the Cowboys are taking a cornerback. Yeah, they are. They're, They're taking, taking the, the Alabama guy. Sertan. Yeah, but I think Sertain could be off the board because the one thing I saw had the t- team drafting ninth, which I think is Denver, taking Sertain. So then they would take the guy from either – and to, uh, and to be honest, I could see Dallas trying to leapfrog him. Patrick Sertain is just too easy a fit for for well, them. But yeah, but the other two guys aren't bad, supposedly. No, the I get it. The guy but... and the Virginia Tech guy. So, but now what I'm seeing is, and maybe I'm not, that tackle from Oregon, who supposedly is tremendous. I, I, I couldn't tell you. Pen- I've never Pen- seen him play. If he falls to 12, and he was originally, people thought he could go two. Or three, do you take him? I, I mean, because at that point you're you're not getting a wide receiver. Um, you're not getting you're, you're probably at that point either down to a cornerback if there's any cornerbacks left of those three, or Micah Parkins or some person like that, or this. But if this guy turns out to be a um, you know a ten year all pro, or and I don't know this, I'm just going by what they were saying. And there's also the guy from Northwestern that people think is really good. Do you go offensive lineman? I mean, I don't see them going offensive lineman because they've kind of got a left tackle, but they kind of don't. By the way, if the Bengals don't take Panay Sewell, if I'm Joe Burrow, I'm I'm like, yeah, but they had him taking. Are they picking? They had him taking. Um, they, Chase. Yeah, they they you had. Can't argue. You can't. But you can't argue with either of those. I mean, to me, if you if you're if you have a team with a young quarterback that needs you either take the tackle or you take pits or you take a wide receiver, you do one of those three things. Um, you know, I mean, if Chase, if, if Chase turns out to be Ju- Justin Jefferson, which he was better than Justin Jefferson two years ago, um, there's nothing wrong with that. And everybody thinks Pitts is going to be this tr- transcending guy. Yeah. I mean, if I, you know, I, all I know is, what the Eagles did was they gave up. They knew at six they were going to get something really good, okay, or probably. Now you've just given Howie more more chances or the organization more chances. And I'm telling you right now, Kevin, they are no way in hell, I will bet you any amount of money you want, going to make three picks in the first round next year. Oh, no. There's no way. This is all This is oh, all. Mike, Mike. Howie, Howie can take those three picks and try to do something. Mike, it's, it's also very realistic to think all three picks are going to be in the, well, their pick is going to be high. Well, they're not. They're going to be like in the 20s. Yeah, they're going to but, be in the mid-20s probably. But that doesn't matter. What they're going to do is they're going to look at next year. If Hurts does not work out, okay, if Hurts does not work out, they're, they're going to look, look for at the thing. A quarterback. And they're going to look at it, and they're going to say, we've got three first-round picks. So all these first-round picks that they tell you they're picking up, mm-hmm. they're not really picking up. Because now, if it gets you a really good quarterback, okay. Uh, but but, and it, this all goes back to to what you and I have been saying, mostly you. But it, it, that this roster is so bad right now mm-hmm. that they have so much to do to it. Yep. That getting Chase or getting Pitts or getting whatever you might have got at six, while that would have been very good, I'm not knocking it. But it still would have left you with. But now, the onus is on them to go out and make these draft picks work, which we haven't seen in four years. 
And by the so, way, can we can we eliminate one other thing that has been spread by the the the, the Howie acolytes there? Ooh, they're going to go out and try to make a trade for Deshaun Watson. Ooh, they're going to go out and try and make a trade for Russell Wilson. Well, one, I'm not touching Deshaun Watson right now. Not not anytime. I'm not touching Russell Wilson right now. And Russell Wilson won't come here. He has a no trade clause. Right, but what I'm saying is at least Deshaun Watson. Look, I don't know what his legal issues are going to be. My guess is like most people to get in legal trouble, he's going to get it's 6 months from now we won't be talking like he's in jail. No, but he's got no, he's not going to end up in jail because it's all civil cases, but I get it. He could get suspended. He could. by the league. But I'm not looking at next year. I'm just talking about down the road. If I get a quarterback, I want him for five, six, seven, eight years. I'm not trading for Russell Wilson, even if Russell Wilson says he wants to come here, because what I got to give up for him in the next two years, you're probably not going to be good enough anyway. And by that time, Russell Wilson's 35. Ooh, look at that! Look at that team with a broken down offensive line filled with old people. I want that. It's, the, the, the Eagles are in a bad spot. They are. The, the, the one thing that could save them a lot is if Jalen Hurts turns out to be Dak Prescott. You know, if that happens, well, that's one less problem they really have to, you know, try to deal with. The bigger problem to me is how they've drafted the last three years. Mm-hmm. And now you're asking an organization that has – and look, they, they hit a couple. that The running back from Penn State was pretty good. Um, but mostly they've struck out. Yeah. So now you're saying, okay – we're going to pick twelve this year. We're going to pick. You know, they got a second round pick. They got you know next year. Maybe we have three first rounders. But what do you do with them if you take Andre Dillard's and you take uh, Aguilar's and and uh, what what difference is it going to make? How many draft picks you have? It doesn't. So you know, and and if you go and trade for a quarterback and you move, like, let's say there's a really good quarterback out there next year. I don't know. And, and you package those three first-rounders and you move up to get that quarterback, and there's no guarantee that quarterback ain't t- going to turn out to be Jared Goff or Mar- Marcus Mariota, and now you've given up all this draft equity yeah. that you it, – it's – you know, what they've been good at, what Howie's been good at is ma- picking up free agents, mm-hmm. making tr- – but but he's run at the end of the rope for that because they spent all their money. Yeah. Now the cap's going to go up next year. And, and so they will have cap room next year. Right, and everybody will. But but what I'm saying is, they, no team in the NFL has is how many teams are older than them? Not many. There can't, there can't be very many, right? No. I mean, they have no young star. I mean, I'll give. I think Dallas Goddard is a really good player. I'll give him Dallas Goddard. I don't know about Rager. How about I, Miles I Sanders? Uh, the running back is good, but I he, he gets hurt a lot. He's disposable. A lot. Yeah. But he's good. But he but he's good. I mean, I'm not going to sit there and knock him. Lane Johnson's old. Brandon Brooks, I don't know about because he's coming it's off his injured. second major yeah. surgery. Kelsey's going to be gone soon. Um, who on defense excites you? Please tell me. Yeah, he went out and got Darius Slay. I was just going to say Darius Slay is okay. He wasn't that good last year. No, he he hasn't been good for two years. Um. Nah, they, they got I mean, Fletcher, Fletcher Fletcher's still Fletcher. I mean, Cox is but still... He, but he's not... But he's not he's what he not was five years guys, ago. No. You know, he's not a guy you look at and say he's one of the best. Anymore. He, be he used to be. Below. He's not there anymore. Yeah. Um. And what you really have to hope as a Diggle fan 
is that this guy that they've that they've picked as the coach can coach. Because we don't know that he can't. You know, maybe this guy is the next, you know, guy at the 49ers or the guy at the Rams. I I, I don't know this. And Mike, um, I, I think Micah Parsons actually is the would be I'm telling you right now. I'm throwing my chips in on the Micah Parsons thing. That if you're at 12 and Micah Parsons there, you have to take Micah Parsons. And I get it. They haven't drafted a linebacker since Jerry Robinson in 1979 or 79. I think it was 79. Um, might have been might have been a little earlier than that. He right. might have played for Vermeil at UCLA. I'm not sure. Right. But you got to you got to take this guy. You need. He's the biggest improvement they can make. Kevin, I'm not. I'm not saying you're wrong. You could be but, all I'm saying is But though, my but my fear, my fear, Mike, is they will try to prove they're the smartest guys in the room. But what I'm saying is if the tackle from Oregon falls to twelve. It's a tough call. You're right. Perry, Perry Sewell now, now look, he might turn Penny out to Sewell be will be a yeah. impact but, player for them. Absolutely. But he might turn out to be Tony Mandridge. We he don't could. know this. I don't know this. He, he didn't play at all last year, by the way. People right. are, people don't well, remember neither, that. Neither did Parsons, right? Parsons Parsons opted out as well. Right. Yep. All I'm saying is I saw drafts where he was the second pick mm-hmm. before this quarterback frenzy. And look, these are guys who know right what now. they're doing. Yeah. But these same guys now don't have him going in the top ten. No, I saw uh, McShay had him at eleven. They they got wide well, or uh, McShay had him. Excuse me, at thirteen. Right. If the Patriots move up to eleven, they're taking a quarterback. If there's still a quarterback left, which nobody seems to know if one of them is going to fall that far, but they have Justin Fields going eleven to the Patriots. Okay, if that guy's there, I mean Parsons and him could both turn out to be great players. They both could, could turn out to be busts, but. I think the Eagles, the idea of the Eagles taking an offensive lineman will not be appealing to Eagle fans. They will not, you know, you're selling an offensive lineman. It's like, oh my God, we're Parsons you could sell, yeah, you I think, could. a little better. Um, but it would be an interesting, it, 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 yeah, I mean, maybe you move down. Maybe you ask the team that's drafting 13 or 14, do you want to move down and we'll take whoever you don't take? I mean, I, I, I don't know at that point. Um, I really don't know. Because, but if this guy turns out to be, you know, if you've got Jalen Hurts, you better have a good left tackle. Yeah. You know, and I don't know if, I mean, right now, do we think Dillard's going to be the tackle or Sa- Sam- the other guy? Or, uh, well, Sa- Samalo? Well, that's who was starting last year, right? Uh, Samalu? Wasn't he? I think Dillard will end up being the tackle. Because they have to prove, they have to find out about him this year. But what if he stinks? Then poor Jalen hurts. At this well, point. that's I mean, you know, as much and, as and, I that, and that's part and that's part of the thing. Like they're so openly talking about quarterback, and I know they're not openly talking about quarterback. But when you mention the Wilson rumors and and the idea that they're stockpiling this so they could go get a quarterback if after this experimental year for hurts, to me. And even Brandon Flacco, which, you know. Waste. uh, Waste. Um, What I don't get is, like, you're bad-mouthing your guy already. Like, Angelo asked me, well, why is there no excitement over Jalen Hurts in the fan base? I can tell you why there's no excitement with Jalen Hurts in the fan base. Because the organization's shitting on Jalen Hurts every time they get a shot. 
But then why did the owner a month ago allegedly say what he said? I don't know. And what the rumors are now, the reports are now that there is a um, a split in the Eagles organization on what they think about Hurts. And listen, there's two ways to look at this. I don't know what the quarterback uh, draft is going to look like next year, nor do I know if the Eagles can even be in position to get a quarterback, mm-hmm. if that's the case. Off of what Jalen Hurts did in his four games, I'm not sold on him. He, he had, But then again, I say it's only four games. So if you're an organization, you either have to say, we're going to play Jalen Hurts this year, for better or for worse. If we win two games, if we win six games, whatever, and see what we got. And I don't know, because I think in the back of the Eagles' minds, they think they can contend for the East Division. And, and you're trying to do two things at once that you can't do. You can't rebuild at the same time you're trying to win. Right. It's just hard to do. It's a very hard thing to do. I know the division isn't that good, but still, uh, I think some team's probably going to get to 10 wins in a 17-game win season, 17-game season. I don't think the Eagles are going to get to 10. Um, but again, um, yeah, the worst thing that can happen to the Eagles this year is if Jalen plays okay. Like if he, he, he does some things that says, oh, he's not bad, and then he does some things you go, okay, you know, whatever. And, and that's the best thing that could happen is he either plays great or he plays like crap. Right. And then you make a decision based on that. Um, and, and this whole Joe Flacco thing, because Joe didn't come here to mentor him. Joe no. came here to play. Play. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's you know, whatever. Hey, you got to have a backup quarterback. I mean, you know, that goes without saying. In, in this day and age, you probably have to have a third quarterback. Yeah. It ain't going to be Sudfeld, I All don't right. think. All right, so let's touch on a couple other topics here really quickly. Let's go college basketball, Final Four this weekend. Um, Gonzaga trying to cap off the perfect season. They will get UCLA, and it'll be an all-Texas battle, Houston and Baylor. Kind of what do you see? What will we see on Monday night? Oh, look, I can't – I mean, in, in the semifinals, you can't pick against Gonzaga. Um, I'm not knocking. Great run by UCLA. UCLA. Tons of credit for beating Michigan. Um, tons of tons of credit for getting through to the to the final four from the first four. I mean, tons of credit for beating Michigan State in the first four game. They were down ten at halftime. Yeah, and won the game. Mick Cronin Um, can coach. We've known this for a lot. Mick Cronin's a good coach. No, he's always been a good. I mean, really good good coach coach. at Cincinnati. Playing without two of his best players this year. Yeah, the one kid got hurt. The other opted out. Opted to go to the G League, right? So, uh, look, what the hell do I know? Uh, I th- I thought when UCLA hired Mitch, it was it was not a good move because I just think he could deal with the, the glitz that is UCLA or used to be UCLA or whatever. But I just can't. I mean, I I saw Gonzaga for the first time extensively last week. They're good. I mean, they are really good. That doesn't mean look. I saw UNLV in 1991 lose to Duke. So. You know, I was in the arena. That was my first Final Four game. Um, that was very Francesa S, by the way. I was in the um, arena. That was my, but that was my first. <laughs> I know, I'm kidding. That was my first Final Four, and Gratz High School was out there. And my job at the end of that game, I had to go with Gratz back to their hotel or something. Um, and I missed whatever the post game stuff was. But um, and John, I'll never forget. John Wooden was in the building, right, and left. Was that the one he was at? I think it was. 
because he come, you know, in case you in case Nevada won, I guess, or whatever. Right. Um, and he just got up and walked away. Um, and then Kentucky, of course, got there what five years ago, six years ago, and lost to Wisconsin in the semis. And fifteen. Yeah, and is that or they, and Indiana State got there in '79, but. I don't think Indiana State was the favorite that year. I think no. Michigan State Michigan probably State was, was because of the level of competition that Indiana State had played. Yeah. But I mean, hey, look, Larry, it was Larry Bird. I mean, sure. what the hell? Um, I part of me would love to see him do it, just to see. And, and the great thing about it is the Indiana players from that '76 team have come out and said, "We hope they do it." You know, we don't. It's it's, it's not like the Dolphins. You know, the '72 Dolphins that don't ever want right. another team to go and beat them. So, but part of me is rooting for Baylor because I've, I've, I got to see Baylor two years ago when they played uh, Villanova. This has been, I think, a two-year thing for them because they might have won it last year. They could have. I mean, they, they were one of the better teams. We don't know what would have happened. I love the way they play. I love their guards. I thought Villanova had a great game plan. These people that want to knock Jay Wright, I get people all the time, mm. I know Jay didn't. Yeah. Please, shut up. He's going in the Hall of Fame this week. He's going to get voted in. Sunday morning will come the announcement. Jay Wright is in the Hall of Fame. Okay? That's going to happen. You can book it. Um, And he had a great game plan. They were up seven, and, and then Baylor decided, we can't shoot from outside. We're going to – because Villanova has no quickness right. whatsoever. Baylor does. And give the give the Drew, the coach, credit – his guys did, and they start turning them over. You know, they turned them over like five straight times. Whether Colin Gillespie would have made that much of a difference, I'm not sure. Villanova can't win when Robbins, Robinson Earl scores eight points. That, yeah, and and, and and the turnovers. They had seven turnovers in the first half, and I remember I went on Twitter. I said, if you turn the ball over seven times, you're gonna you're gonna get beat here. And they yeah, turned the ball over thirteen, I think, in the second. But it was a great game plan. Sure, and it was, and it, it just didn't it just didn't work. The better the team won. Stuff. The better team I won. I Houston, I've liked Houston. I mean, the two teams, three, I gave my son three teams before the tournament. I gave him Baylor, Houston, and Texas. And Texas lost the first game. Weird call at the end of the game, but they lost. Now they got a new coach. Yeah. Um, and so he took, and I think if Baylor wins, he's actually going to win his pool. But I think Houston could, Houston's a tough team. You know, I'm not the biggest Kelvin fam, Samson guy in the We've world. We've been over that, yes. But they're tough. They're they're a tough. They should have lost to uh, Rutgers. Had them beat. Yeah, I mean Rutgers let them off, and sometimes you see that in a tournament where a team gets a break. They win a game they shouldn't have won, and then they just keep going. I think that's that could be a really good game. That argument. I just don't see UCLA. I mean, God, Gonzaga's won twenty nine straight games by double digits. Well, he, here's the problem for any of the other three against Gonzaga. Gonzaga scores. Like, they're the one team in this tournament that consistently scores in the yeah. 80s. I don't think any of the other teams in this can get to that level. Baylor can. Baylor can. Baylor Houston can, can, but Baylor hasn't played that way really even in this tournament. Look, Nova yeah, kept but, them in the but 60s. But they can, though. But they, they have the capability of it. And, you know, and and look, Gonzaga is the best team. I mean, let, let, let's be real about it. Um, They're the best team. Baylor's the second best team. Uh, Michigan was probably the th- the second or third best team if they don't lose that play. If they don't lose livers, that yeah, then, yeah, but it's they a different. Did. So you know it, 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 that's that's the way the world works sometimes. Um, but all year long, Baylor and Gonzaga have been the two. And Michigan, there was a point like a month ago where I really thought Michigan was the might be the best team. Mm-hmm. But no, Gonzaga is the best team. They may not win it this weekend. They may lose, 
but they are the best team. Mm-hmm. There is no doubt about it. Um, they've got three NBA players probably on the team. Um, you know, and and maybe it's just their time. You know, maybe it's just their time. They've been doing this for two decades. Um, I don't know how he does it. He does it differently. You know, he gets players from all over. Um, and now I think he just got a top 10 recruit coming in next year or something. That guard is tremendous. Suggs. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be in the NBA for sure. Um, I, I'm just, I think CBS and the world wants to see a Baylor Gonzaga exactly. game and hope that it lives up to what we think it might be. And I'll be rooting for Baylor only mm. because my, you know, my son's got him in a pool, whatever, but man, I, I, it's just hard for me to see somebody, you know, but like I said, we've said that before about teams too, you know? So, um, I, I mean, mean, you know, is this Gonzaga team better than that Kentucky team in 15? You guys are better than the, than the UNLV team in 91. But then again, is Duke of 91 better than, you know, who's ever going to try to beat Gonzaga in this tournament or well, that Wisconsin well, team to like beat Kentucky? The conversation, the conversation is going to get brought up. Where's Gonzaga? If Gonzaga finishes, where's this place in history? I don't know if you can. Gage well, I think they're going to go down as one of the best teams in recent history. history. I mean, look, look. See, so this, this is why these questions you can Sure. The UCLA teams from the UCLA years. is different. They got like five of those teams. And, you know, I mean, Girardi's not even sure that the Alcindor team, like he, he said Bill Walton. Look, you can take any of the Alcindor, three Alcindor teams, um, the two Walton teams that won, uh, but then you go back to Bill Russell's teams, and, and of course, it's a different world back then. Yeah, it's a, Bobby Knight's team lost one game in two years. Yeah, the only reason they lost in '75 was because Scott May broke his arm. Yeah, and they lost by two points to Kentucky in the semifinal, right? In, the se- in, a, in a, a re- regional, the, regional final, uh, regional final, and then they would have wound up playing UCLA <clears throat> when John Wooden won his last title. So who knows? But um, you know, I'm trying to think of teams in recent memory. I mean, look. We tend to overlook this. I think the Villanova team in 18 is one of the best. Has to go down as one of the best modern teams. I'm not saying they could play with Al Cinder or Walton. I'm, yeah, whatever. Um, they were really good, Kevin. Not, yeah, the 92 Duke team was really good. Um, right. The, the, the 90 UNLV team was, was exceptional. Tremendous. Um, they killed everybody, pretty much. I'm trying to think of. Uh, I mean, Kentucky, how about the, the Kentucky won the Cal one with? Yeah, back in 12, with was AD? it where they beat Kansas? Yeah. I would even say that that the Carolina team in 17 was really good. No, I think the, I think the Carolina team in 09 was better. Well, that's fair, too. They they were really good. And 05, and 05 was good with Sean May. Yeah, <clears> but, I mean, Villanova almost beat them. They yeah, did. I mean, that, that, that was the controversial game. The walk. Um, but I'm just saying, if Gonzaga wins... And even if they don't, you know, kill UCLA and, and kill kill whoever they play in the final, they, they got to certainly go down as yeah, as they do. You know, and I don't want to hear an asterisk. I don't want to hear you know we don't we don't hear an asterisk. They, I mean, Christ in baseball, they played sixty hmm. games last year. Do they, we hear the Dodgers having an asterisk? They the the Gonzaga's played one game where the score has been in, in single digits. And it was back in December. December right? against West or Virginia. Or whenever they yeah, December against West Virginia. Right. That's it. And and they did beat four top ranked teams. Yeah. Now it came they, early. They were all back. 
yeah, it was Kansas, West Virginia. Um, oh, I used to know. I, I used to be Kansas, able to West Virginia, Iowa, Iowa and do, 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 do. was it Iowa? Yeah, it was Iowa. The Baylor game got postponed. If I'm not right. mistaken, Baylor game got got postponed. Um, yeah, I don't know who else. Right, but I mean, I mean, look in the in the WCC final, BYU was beating them at halftime. Yeah, and lost by like 15. <laughs> I mean, and BYU's not bad. No. I mean, BYU's, I, I'm just saying is, I, I'm just hoping that one of two things happens. Either Gonzaga's holding the trophy at the end and we can have these discussions and to which there are no answers. You know, I'm sure Mike Krzyzewski would throw one of his teams at me, sure. the five that he's won, and said, hey, we were, or maybe even a UConn team. There were some pretty good UConn teams. But, or I hope Baylor wins. Because I, I just, I like this Baylor team ever since I saw him against Villanova last year. And, um... I just like the way I like the way both those teams play. I, I just, and I like the way Houston's gritty, and I like UCLA a little bit because of Mick Cronin. So, right. you know, I don't think UCLA is going to win it. I, I mean, if they do win it, it would be one of the most astounding stories in college basketball history. I think um, it, it would it would out top Villanova. It would in, in, in eighty five, and, may, and maybe even NC State. I mean. You know, you're an 11 seed and play seven games and win a title by beating an unbeaten team. Let's you know, let, let let me get to a couple other things. Uh, one flyers. Oh no 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 no! Back on college basketball, Roy Williams steps down. Um, I think he put it. He said he he said he said I'm no longer the right man for the job. I I, I think Roy. I, I think this was a smart move on Roy's part. Yeah, he doesn't have to I deal mean, with the transfer protocols and how everything is going to change in this off season and. The whole world's changing when it comes to that transfer yeah, stuff. And, and so seventy at 70, he looked and went, what the hell? And I think it is the start of what you're going to see. Um, was it Pete Thamel yesterday who did it on yeah. Yahoo? Who said that this is the beginning. You know, you got Beheim 76. You got Krzyzewski sure. 74. Sure. You got a number of guys. You know, we view Calipari as young. Johnson is in 60s now. Yeah, I he's got to be. He's about my age. Yeah, I mean, so... Yeah. There's going to be more guys who I think are going to step away. And yeah, that's why you should people here should treasure Jay for as long as Jay does it cuz he's probably only going to do it another 5 years or so. You know. Yeah, if, I, I mean he he could, he could do it for 10, but I I, I I've told you I'm when not Jay sure if I see Jay coaching at 70. No. I, I you know, honestly Jay could stop at 65 and Jay probably will have a really good TV job at, at his mean, What do you mean probably? Oh, he will have a great he will, TV. He, he will if he wants to do that. Right, you know, Kevin, Jay Roy. I mean, we always look at these guys as like because we see Bill Rafter and we love Bill Rafter. Right? You know, I mean, and Rafter's in his seventies. Right, but I'm just saying is, you know, maybe a guy like Jay sits here at sixty five and says, you know what, it's time. I just want to spend time with my family. Yeah. I, I don't want to do the TV. I don't. You know, I've got enough money. Um, I don't know. I, you know, there's no law that says you have to go still do something. You know, maybe he just helps a Villanova. Nah. Maybe they give him a job as an, I don't know. Uh, the curious thing to me is who gets the Carolina job. Well, and that was Larry Brown. Don't, don't forget, Roy's team last year when it, when the season got canceled, they were 14 and 19. Yeah. They weren't very good. Now, and they um, got bounced in the first round this year. Um, right. They weren't very good this year. They weren't year. very good this year. Larry Brown said today, or I read it today, Larry Brown said that Roy should be able to pick his successor. If that's the case, it'll probably be Hubert Davis. 
That's uh, the word. Um, yeah. I mean, that's... That, but, that, but, you know, look, that's a job. I, I think that's, the stat was since 1952, there's only been six coaches at Carolina. That's probably... Frank McGuire, cool. Dean, Bill Guthridge. Um, um, the other guy, the guy that played... Matt Doherty. And, and, and yeah. it, this will be the sixth coach. Well, I mean, and how many Roy. has Temple had? Uh, six. Litwack, I mean, Litwack, Litwack Cheney. No, Litwack. Um, Casey. Casey, Cheney. Cheney. Dunf and McKee. Yeah. That's five. Yeah. And that goes back to the 40. No. 50s. Early 50s. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's Villanova hasn't had a whole lot. Yeah, if you think about it, since the mid-70s, it's been Raleigh. Well, go back to Jack Kraft, even. I mean, and Al Severance was there. Yeah. I don't know when Al stopped, but Al was there for like 20 years or so, right? Um, I don't know how many were between them, but then Jack Kraft, um, Raleigh, um, Lapis, and Jay. <laughs> I mean, that's only four names. <laughs> you know. I mean, yeah. It, it, it just, you know. It's amazing when you see some of these places that have Now, if you were Carolina, because I heard this said on one of the shows, um, that they that they would call Michael Jordan, and and they also threw Mitch Kupchak's name in there, just to see, get their thoughts on what they thought. Would you do that if you were Carolina? I would have them part of the committee, but I wouldn't. Give them that coaching job. No, I don't mean like as a committee, Kevin. I, I mean, I guess if you're the AD or who's ever making the choice, and I don't know who the AD is there or the president or whomever, but just pick up a phone, Michael. It's, it, yeah, what do you think? Or is that, yeah. you know? Yeah. I, I, you know, it's, I, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. Either. On, on, a, mean, on a similar vein. Uh, now, Hubert Davis, in case people don't know, Hubert Davis has been there six years. Eight years. He's been. Was it eight? Okay, I thought it was six. No, it was eight. Um, and he he left. ESPN. Whatever Hubert was doing. What was, was he doing? He was on. That? He was on College Game Day on ESPN. That's right. And he was very good at it. And he's obviously a former Tar Heel. Right. Um. And from from what I can gather, he looks like a great guy. Yeah. Um. The way he carries himself and everything. Um. But you know, hey, look, Duke is going to go through this at some point soon. Yeah. And they're going to have the same kind of... And honestly, the strange part is the guy that most people would have expected to be the successor in waiting... Just got fired. Just got fired at Marquette. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I mean... Well, Woj, Woj is probably going to end up on the staff, but... I mean, Johnny Dawkins... I mean, look, where's Johnny at now? Ooh, that's a good question. Okay, Amaker's at Harvard, but I think Amaker might almost be too old now. Is Johnny Dawkins still at Stanford? Not sure, Kevin. I'm I'm not sure he could be, but they always look UCF. at UCF who, who coached with UCF. Jusky UCF. What is it? UCF. Okay, UCF. Amaker's at um Harvard. Mm-hmm. They're both, I guess, around my age or a little younger. Dawkins is fifty-seven. Fifty-seven. Yeah. Okay, so that's not too. But I think Shashevsky's going to coach for another three, four years at least. Like I don't think Mike's leaving. And here's the other thing. Let's say for the sake of argument, Roy's last two years had been good. I don't think he leaves. Um, I'm not saying he was forced out. I don't mean that in any way. I'm just saying is if you're Roy and you've had all this success for all this time and then you have a bad year last year and you didn't have a good year this year, maybe you sit there and go, you know what? Maybe my time has kind of, 
you know, but if, if you were like, if you made it to like a sweet 16 or a final eight last year. Yeah. And this year you were. No, yeah, I know where you're going. I know where you're going. Like mm-hmm. my, my surprise with it was we've seen so many coaches who announce it a year ahead of time. Sometimes it's not exactly their choice as we've. That's not Roy's around. style. But yeah, the fact that and Roy just dropped this year it might have had some. Yeah, Kevin, I think this year now he's a seventy-year-old man. Yeah, right? he is. Uh, he was, I think. By the way, told, he was playing Augusta National apparently last week. So yeah, he's he's got a tough life. Yeah, um, he played Pine <laughs> Valley. He was up there one time because uh, Pierce was playing. The Celts were. Um, Roy was in town. They must have been playing somebody. I don't know. Was that when and, they played Nova like in that secret scrimmage the year after the national title game? Nah, no. Nah, if some, I was at the Sixers. Right. Don't ask me why I was at the Sixers, but he was there, and Pierce was playing, and he come to watch Paul. Right. So we went over to him before the game. Hey, Roy, you know, and we got a little story out of it. And he played Pine Valley that day. So must be because nice. Roy Roy's a pretty good golfer. Yeah. Roy, now I don't know if he is at seventy, but what I'm saying is, I don't think any of us can fully understand how tough this year was on oh, coaches. On coaches. Look, um, I, sure I think Jay Jay right down in a room, or or Aaron McKee, or or any of these coaches, and said, "What was?" I mean, even Zach Spiker said right. that, like when, they, when Drexel won the. It's just been you're almost not even a coach. By the way, can I can I throw one other news item at you from college basketball? Bill Self got a lifetime contract. Yes, you saw that. <laughs> well, they're yeah. I'm watching. Yeah, I got ESPN. A lifetime contract for a guy who maybe puts. The pro, the program on on probation, sure, lifetime deal. They're not going to go on probation. It, it, look, he won a national title. He's been here twenty years. But, you know, it, it, what are they going to do? Tell him, tell him he's got to win twenty games next year. He won twelve Big Twelve titles in a row. Wake me up when that happens again. You know, I mean, come on. Um, but this year, it's. It, I think it would be a fascinating story. It's funny if anybody can get to the uh, Inquirer online, read a story that Aaron Carter did. Mm-hmm couple days ago on what life is like now for coaches in the public league and the Catholic league, but more, probably more, whatever, dealing with kids who get killed and, and these lives that these teenagers are going through, forget about them getting to play sports. This one coach, I think is buried five. The coach of Frankfurt has had five people get buried in the last two years from gunshots or whatever. Right. We never think about this. No, we don't. We never think about it. It's just like, well, what did you do on the field? You had your team look like on the field. So we we judge Jay Wright by okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jay Wright went through pandemics this year, shutdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's almost like at some point, I'm sure the basketball results probably to Jay were almost secondary. Yeah. Even though they're not, you know. But my God, um. And I'm sure every coach that's, that, that that played this year has has stories to tell, like that. You know, I mean, I I te- I was texting Phil a couple times during this, and um, he really took it hard. By the yeah. way, he said he said Monday was a, or when did they lose? They lost they on lost Monday, right? Tuesday night. Tuesday night. He, Wednesday. He just said it was a, it was a hard day, um, and understandably so. But what these teams have been through, and even at the pro level. Yeah, and they're pros, so that's different. I get it, but I don't think we can comprehend no. what that's been like to be a twenty-year-old kid and basically not have a life for six months. Yeah, 
I know? agree. But and, so and, my heart goes out to him a little bit. But if anyone gets a chance to read that Aaron Carter story, by the way, while we're pitching, give it a read. While we're pitching stories, uh, Mike Jensen's done a great piece this week on the. Uh, oh yeah, on the status of the Big Five or the I City. I only read Six. the first one. I read. I read all three to this point. Okay, where, where where did the second and third parts kind of go? Facilities and transfer portal. Yeah, the transfer portal. I don't know if anybody has an answer for that. The facilities I, I, and especially at LaSalle are a huge issue, and they're never going to change. Like uh, there is actually there is actually Mike mentioned this in the story. There's actually like a, a, a like a carrot dangling out there though for LaSalle because there's a six million dollar gift. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the guy, if you know, is it's I think it's the Sutz family. Uh, one of the members of the Sutz family died. Who who's the mm-hmm. candy maker up in uh, Horsham or Hatboro? Right. And he's a LaSalle grad, and he has a six million dollar gift. He died in 2013. It comes with the caveat that if they don't have a facility in shovel in ground by 2023, ten years after he dies, mm-hmm. that money goes somewhere else. Well, I, and I don't know what Mike wrote, so I'm going to have to go read the story. But my answer would be, LaSalle is just having enough problems worrying if they're still going to be a university. Yeah, I hear you. At some point in time. $6 million in today's world gets you what? Well, it's a baseline. It gets you it, it, zilch. Well, it, no, but it's a baseline to start that, that, the fundraiser. That's all. That's fine. You're starting a fundraiser at a school that has no fundraisers. Well, yeah. It, it's like trying to, it's, it's like when we always used to ask the question about Temple. Well, you know, can Temple, Temple doesn't give fundraisers like, 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 in, like schools that are trying to compete against gets. It just doesn't happen. I mean, St. Joe's a big thing just to get the practice facility and the refurbishment done. And by the way, and, look, and that, that was something that was mentioned yesterday is it's already outdated. Yeah, I mean LaSalle's in a bad spot because they're they're in a they're in a neighborhood that's changing. Now they're they're landlocked. They have no you know, they should have went out into the suburbs probably ten years ago where LaSalle High School is. Yeah. But they didn't. So, you know, where are you gonna build a gym? Well you, you gotta tell me where you're gonna build a gym. They're I talk mean, they're talking basically about playing a year at the palestra. The from what Mike said, the playing a year at the palestra and turning right. the gym where as opposed to what it is now, baseline to baseline, it, it, or there's no crowds, turning it the other way so you can have crowds on all four sides. Okay, so they're going to refurbish it. Yeah. Okay. But well, they're talking well. they need a, a practice facility as well. So. Sure they do. I mean, and like you said about, about St. Joe's maybe being outdated. I mean, I don't know this. I I, know, I mean, Drexel has has the same problem, right? Yeah, Drexel, Drexel could have gone, gone to the armory. Oh Ready? God, Kevin! That's twenty-five years. Well, old story. Uh, but it was also no. mentioned. It was in, mentioned in Mike's story. They could have gone to the armory. They decided yes, to go they, and put squash courts down there. Yeah, they did. I, Kevin, that story had to be. I remember. I probably wrote the story, or yeah, the armory. There's an armory over there, and we're gonna. We're, I think that was back when Billy Hurrying was coaching the team. Yeah, and it was, and they were. You know, there was a reason to be excited about the program and stuff. These schools now are in such a situation is. It's almost like how can you justify putting the money out for athletics when you're really trying? I'm not saying Drexel's in trouble. I don't mean no, that. Drexel, way. Drexel and Penn aren't, but some of these schools are well, Sal and St. Joe. Float. Well, Sal and St. Joe. I mean, Villanova, right. Villanova swimming in cash at this point. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and, Tem- and Temple and Temple's a state school. Exactly. I mean, and and LaSalle's probably a more dire situation than St. Joe's, but 
all the Catholic schools, all the religion are, are going to face the same questions. I mean, I had somebody from St. Joe about five years ago sit down. We were just talking and told us how the Catholic schools are an endangered species. Yeah. They're just, it just is. There, there's, you know, and, um, and I think what Mike was saying about them switching and getting in a league that makes sense would go a long way to helping that because you can't play in a league that you shouldn't be in. And I'm not saying that LaSalle shouldn't be in the Atlantic 10 or that St. Joe shouldn't be in the Atlantic 10 or, you know, we know why Temple's in the AAC because it's a football thing, but it hurts Temple. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't hurt him in football, but it, it, it doesn't help him in basketball, I don't think, um, or other, any other sport for that matter. So, but this is the way it is. I mean, you know, how do you convince, you know, Mike had this one league where I think LaSalle and St. Joe would be in with a couple of New York schools or something, whatever, you know, and, but how do you convince all these schools that this is all in their best interest? Yeah, I don't know. And everybody's looking to get money. So they're all looking at saying, what kind of a TV contract do we have? You know, I mean, that's why Temple got out of Mac football. Well, first of all, the Mac wanted them to join for everything. Right. But there was no money in Mac football. So they're getting money out of the AAC. Um, you know, they're not getting as much money as they would get if they were in the ACC, obviously, but they're getting money. Um, it, it's a hard question. The landscape of college sports has changed so much in like the last 10 or 15 years. It's, it's, just, it's hard to keep up with it almost. And the powers are getting more powerful. Yeah. Which is why everybody thinks or has thought that the 64 or so biggest teams are just going to at one point say, you know what? Screw this. We're over it. We're, we're going here. Well, the power you know, five. We'll, yeah. we'll keep all our money and you do whatever the hell you want to do over there. And you, know, you got all these teams now that want to play division one football for exactly that reason. Well, and, and again, look at the difference between the power five and football and everybody else. I mean, even the American tries to <clears throat> scramble into that mix, but they're not there. You're the sixth league in a five five league, league world. world, and, and that doesn't mean you're not good. And Look, Central Florida had some, some great teams. Cincinnati right. this year, right? Um, they've had Temple's had some good teams. Um, you know, it's not a bad league. The bottom half of it usually, but it's good, not. But bottom half it's not like league. it's not like college basketball where college basketball has the five, right? The Big East by name, and because of Villanova. Kind of gets but, but lumped what in. College basketball has Kevin is the NCAA tournament. Right. That's what football doesn't have. Right. So college basketball, the Big East knows they can get three or four teams in that tournament. Yeah. You know the winner of LaSalle, even uh, on a bad year like this year, they got four teams in. You can take the crappiest league in the country. Pick, pick, pick your choice. I don't know. The champions getting in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. There's always a carrot out there, and then you have the conference tournaments, which a lot of them make money. Now, I'm not saying, like, the Atlantic 10 tournament makes money. I don't know this. I, I don't know if the Big East tournament make or how much money it makes or the MAC tournament makes money. I don't know. This. Well, I think we know the Big East tournament makes money. Right. But there's no, in football, all you have is a title game. Yeah. And whether the title game makes money, I, 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 I don't have the faintest clue. But basketball is just a different sport because it's more inclusive. Even though you know that, like, nine Big Ten teams are getting in the tournament compared to, like, four Big East teams, or one, you know, from the Atlanta or whatever. But it is more inclusive in that you're going to get your shot. You know, you, if you're Lehigh and you get in the tournament, you're getting your you're shot. Get your shot. Yeah, you are. You know, if, if you're Central Florida in football, you're probably not going to get your shot, even if you run the table. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, Mike, Mike, Mike bring, brought up some really good questions in the piece, and, and I'm not sure there's answers. No, I don't. 
that's the problem is um, you can have all the right intentions. And I think LaSalle, if they put that $5 million towards it, you know, that can only help. You know, Because when you're trying to recruit kids against another school that maybe has better facilities than you, that's hard. It really is hard. I mean, you you know, and I know the reason they went to Jay in two thousand four or something or whatever it was when he took over, and said we're gonna we're gonna refurbish the pavilion. Jay's like, no, 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 no. Build me a practice facility. Right. And they did, and it was a good. It's a good one. And the women have just as much right to that practice facility as Villanova's men. You know, mm-hmm. when Harry was there, and now they finally got around to doing the pavilion. You know, fifteen years later. Right. Um. And Temple's got a great practice facility now. Um, I don't know, you know, but that that's the first thing I think recruits look at. Right? Yeah, as we've mentioned here, I think Temple's problem is the fact that Temple's in a, in a league where there's no identity for it. I mean, in, in basketball. In football, so do you think if Temple if Temple had could figure out a way, somewhere to put its football program mm-hmm. and it stayed in the Atlantic 10 for everything else, mm-hmm. and that's probably impossible, but you think the basketball program would still be where it was 10 years ago? I think it'll be, it would be in a much better spot than it is okay. right now. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, I think that's a fair statement, but the problem is football wags the dog. Well, it does, and I, I, I'm not naive to think yeah. of that. Uh, you know, I, I just think, and Mike mentioned yesterday about the fact that he probably overbuilt the course when they went, I guess it's 12,000 is their, atten- or their, their capacity. It's 10. It's 10. It's 10. He said they probably could have gone seven or eight, and that's true. Yeah, but the problem there was, in fact, if anything, I think they should have went bigger to make it a mini carrier dome. Right. Um. So where you might have ten for for basketball, and you could have maybe uh, twenty five for football. I don't. I don't know. I'm just right. throwing out a number. I, I don't know. But if they had built a seven, like what difference would it have been in the palestra? Well, it would have. I think the problem is with the amount of empty seats they have in it that they right. never need the upper deck. They never do. Right, uh, because most of their big games are going to get taken down to the, the Spectrum or the South Fargo. Anyway. Yeah. But I think when they build it, they were building it. It looks a lot like the Mullen Center. It does. UMass. It's very antiseptic. But I think they were thinking in their minds, we're going to get six, seven, eight thousand people. And, and, and let me let me make throw this. Lake Chorus is a great place to watch a game. I love sure. Lake Chorus. Oh, yeah. But it just doesn't do anything for me from a character standpoint. standpoint. No, it, it's you know. a good basketball arena, but it doesn't have it doesn't it, have character. It doesn't have character. And it also came from yeah. a place it also came from a place that had a lot of character because it was so small and tiny in, in McGonagall. Oh, I love McGonagall. Oh, and, and, and it was and McGonagall was a sweat box. I mean, there was no I love McGonagall. McGonagall was you talk about places, a good place to watch a game. But the problem with Temple was at the time, you know, you got to go back to the mid nineties. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cheney was there. You know, yeah. you were looking to get games against national teams. Um, I mean, Michigan on State campus. came in there and played the one year on you know, campus. Yeah, right. And so I understood their thinking. You know, you don't want to build a, a six or seven thousand because Michigan State might not come in to play you. You know, or or um, I don't think they. Build it wrong. I don't think a difference of two thousand seats would have made. You still would have had empty seats when you when their basketball team isn't winning and they're only getting two three thousand, whatever. Again, we it we, sh- we should also 10. point out. We should also point out that that building is used for concerts. That building sure. is used for sure 
um, uh, commencement. I, I, I mean, it, it, it's you. It's a moldy purpose facility. Yeah. So I just don't know how much smaller they could have went. I mean, I guess if you want to say eight, okay, like because Villanova's the problem with the pavilion was it was like seven, and they wanted it to be ten. Yeah, you know, it was almost like you wish Villanova and Temple could have switched buildings. Yeah, because it would have made more sense. Well, Villanova's also so pinned in because of the township. The township wouldn't want anything larger. Well, Villanova, well, Temple was kind of pinned in too. I mean, it wasn't like. You know, when they were built on like one city block, there it wasn't like they. Yeah, but but Temple also. Temple also has more of the neighborhood than than Villanova does. Yeah, I got yeah, and and, and the not, Villanova built that. It's a multi-purpose thing, right? It wasn't just built for, you know. I mean, if people that don't realize it, it was th- built th- for th- wrestling. It was built for yeah. Yeah, but the court only takes up like two thirds of the of the building when it when that's it what made it's changed now. I think right. Yeah, there, uh, there's still a dead area behind the, the okay. stands. I was, I haven't been out there since the, when they were playing games. So, um, but yeah, I mean, look, Temple was. Look, I mean, Temple, it's more, I, it's more I, of a, it like the area now, like where basically the old concessions were, like on the old, like uh, the 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 green like flooring. Right. That's now been jazzed up into a, like a club area, and right. that's, that's actually where yeah. the media rooms are right. at this point. But it's not like like a lot of arenas you go into, at the, especially the college level. That's it; it's an arena. There, yeah. There's none of that stuff like what you're talking about. You know, the arena takes up the whole Building. footprint of what's there. Right. But you got to go back to the context of in 1995, what Temple was. Yeah. You know, they were a national program that didn't draw well. Because Temple's never drawn well. I mean, this is no state secret. Um, I went there. You know, it, it hasn't changed a whole lot. Um, they stay. They're better. I mean, you know, this was when the football team was getting like you know three thousand people at football games. I mean, because they stunk. But John Cheney was John Cheney. Yeah. I, I I don't know. You know, if they if they had built a freight instead of ten, I I mean, I guess I could have lived with it. But you know, I just think they were looking at it as two times a year or three times a year. We can fill it. You know, Villanova comes in, we can fill it. Maybe when St. Joe comes in, we can fill it. You know, we get a Michigan State comes in, we can fill it. Um, the problem yeah. is the other 15 dates. Yeah, the problem also is that the conference schedules grew so much that they don't have the ability to do that anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, look. Well, I mean, you have your big you have your big five games, but, you know, I mean, you're not going to have Michigan Look, when State Temple was in. playing Duquesne, and St. Bonnie and name me three other teams in the A-10 that don't draw squat. We would show up in that building when when Temple was good and there'd be 3,000, 4,000 people. Yep. They might have announced it at six or whatever they want to announce it as, you know. So it's only gotten worse since then. Mm-hmm. You know, it hasn't gotten better. And I think that's more of a Temple problem than a... than a, a um, fair point. That's a, um, a, a capacity problem. Let me put it that way. Um... Let me touch real quick. We got about five minutes left. Uh, the American men didn't qualify for Olympic soccer. I'm sure you're broken up about that. What? Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, let me. Uh, Sixers back from their six game road trip. Uh, they Joel and B will be back on Saturday night against Minnesota. Seven and three without Embiid, uh, and they are not in first place <laughs> in the East, but. You know they're a half game back. I'll take it right now. I think that they, uh, you go seven and three on that ten game stretch without your best player. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um. Hey, look. It. it yeah. 
I mean, there's some things I don't. I, I think Ben Simmons has not been playing great. No. He looks tired, which I find a little hard to comprehend with a 24, 25-year-old guy. But he just hasn't looked as good in the last six, seven, eight games. But they're winning. So Yeah, because Tobias Harris has been outstanding. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, they've done what they had to do. I still think yeah, I don't know what Durant's status is going to be in another month. Uh he's supposedly I, close to a return, but now Harden being hurt. So Yeah, I mean he's supposed to miss a game or so. Uh I mean, I think most people on the face of the earth still think the Nets are better than the Sixers, and I'm not going to disagree with them. Um and Maybe the Bucs. There's some people who think the Bucs are still a real contender for the East, and I wouldn't argue with them either. Um, but this is what you got. This is the team you yeah. got. I mean, you know, and, and I think the question going forward is, can Joel come back and be the Joel that he was pre-injury? Before? Yeah. I don't know. Or will he get injured again? Yep. You know, or are these guys going to start hitting some walls? You know, like your Shake Milton and your Thibel and, and maybe Simmons. I mean, I you know, because you still have another month or so to go before the playoffs even begin. Mm-hmm. You're going to need Ben Simmons to be playing at a semi-high level. Uh, you know, and I don't know what that means in terms of he can't be shooting one for seven. He can't no. be shooting, you know. he. I'm telling you, for a guy who's his size and doesn't shoot from beyond five feet, he's not a good finisher. Nope. Nope. And that, I don't know why. Like, I, I don't. I, I don't know why you want to. I, I would think if you're 6'10 and the guys guarding you most of the time are smaller than you, you'd be a great finisher. Especially if you're not going to shoot from beyond five, six feet. But, you know, uh, hey, look. Um, do I even mention the hockey do you th- do you th- team? Do you think Embiid plays much on Sunday, if at all? No, probably not. So we're gonna be, we're gonna be back to this now, right? Now well, at least I think until the playoffs. I mean, well, that's but that's not a good sign. I, I don't, you know. Well, and like, then people are gonna complain when he doesn't win the MVP. Oh, you know, he got he did well. You know, he missed. You know, missing twenty five games. Yeah. You know, kind of takes you out of that conversation. Yep. You know. Um. By the I way, your train of thought. You were going to say something. Well, no, no, no. Well, there's two things. One, the Nationals Met series has been completely postponed because of COVID. So the Phillies. Man, this is the world. So the Mets will play their first game in Philadelphia on Monday night. Uh, yeah. And the Nationals that, will play. That against, means we get Degrom, I guess, right? Yeah. But he wouldn't have pitched in like a week and a half. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So well, sometimes that can go either way. Um, I would. Do I even mention the hockey team? Well, just that they that they that they stink. I, I mean, no, I mean, look, no, I, I I can't put it any better. I, are they done? No, they're not done because they're still a month to go in the season. I'm not going to sit here and say they're done, but it's it, you know, uh, uh, six months ago we would have sat here and said, I was talking to a couple of my friends that, that know hockey about this, and like, oh, where did this go? You know, the GM was the best GM, the, the coach was the best coach, um, the goalie was going to be one of the best goalies, and. I think a lot of it has to do with Carter Hart, and and I. Well, I think it's the defense in front of Hart, but because both. But Carter Hart has stunk. Yeah. Oh, there's no doubt. Granted, the defense has not been good. I I think the defense is the better, bigger issue than Carter Hart. But at some point, you can't have the save percentage that he has. I don't care who's in front of you. 
He stopping like eight point eight or eight eight or he's eight eighty, right? We 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 could sit here all day and argue: is it more to defense? Is it more to whatever? They're, they're guys, it, it, and I don't know if this is the Vino factor. Their guys just aren't responding. Guys that have to respond, and they, what moves can you make? They're stuck with these guys. Yeah. What are they going to do with Voracek? They can't. They can't they do. They can't anything. do nothing. Uh, look, Giroux, any Giroux's move, not going anywhere. Any, any move they make would have to be. You know, I said the other night on Twitter that I would consider taking the C off Jeru's chest as captain because he hasn't proven that he can be captain. Yeah, but with you can't. Group. No, it, it, uh, but that's all. That's grass, all that's left. That's a, that's, a, that's a yeah. That's a symbolic move. That's not a do legitimate that season. Yeah, that's I'm not, okay with it. That's not. not a, but that's not, not a happen. legitimate move right now. That's going to change anything. They it's a symbolic defense, move. They let the Gothosphere wave them, and nobody wanted them. You got guys that played well last year, like Hayes, a um, couple other guys. I'm not going to, but who aren't for whatever reasons that I can't. Yeah, they, or they're like completely they different players. They aren't effective. Yeah, and okay. I don't know why. Like I, I'm not, I'm not enough of a hockey guy to sit here and tell you why. I just know that most of the hockey people seem to be saying this season's a lost season. Like yeah. if they save it somehow, they save it. Well, Mike, they're they're. They're three point. They were three points in back of the island. Or I'm sorry, of the Bruins for the for the for, for the final playoff spot in the East. And you go, well, that's not too bad. But you realize then that Boston has three games in hand. Well, on them. Look, this team started, I think, nine two and one, yep. something like that. Yeah. And the only team they couldn't beat early was the Bruins. Bruins, and now it's just the question is going to be if they don't make the playoffs. Or if they make the playoffs and lose in the first round, where do you go from there? Yeah, because now you have to go forward with the you know with Drew, with Voracek, with there's probably a couple other guys whose, whose name I should be mentioning and I'm not. Um, and like you've this whole season, at least at this point right now, has been a big step backwards. And you never want to take a step back. No, but look, it was a COVID year. You know, they did have a COVID thing. Who knows how it affected them? Uh, you know, every team kind of gets graded on a curve through all this stuff. Um, and they are in a tough division. You know, uh, we knew it wasn't going to be easy for them this year, even just finishing third or fourth. Right. But it's just, you know, and, and you know, I mean, the Sixers, everybody's expecting the Sixers to make a run, some kind of a run. They're expecting the Phillies to be better. So now, all of a sudden, the Flyers are back to being number four, and nobody, you know, nobody will really be paying a lot of attention. And if they go quietly in the night, um, you know, we'll hear about them again next uh, October. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, you know, I mean, thank God at least Elliot, you know, has played well, and and I think he's starting to, you know, now you understand why he's a backup goalie, but he's played well for them. Mm-hmm. But I just don't know, like, if you're the coach, Kevin, what do you do? You can't. You he's benched guys. He's benched them. He's put you know. He's, you can't bench everyone. Um, I don't know. I, I, you know, I just didn't. I didn't foresee this. I didn't foresee. I mean, you take a Sabers team that they beat about three weeks ago, three nothing and three nothing. They should have lost both games. They got killed by the Rangers. Their best game recently was the two one loss to the Isles, where they actually played well. Even some of their wins lately have been bad. I mean, no win's bad. No win. But that, that won the other night over the Sabres? Are you kidding me? 
I mean, that was because the Sabres stink. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, I, I, I'll tell you what, that locker room must be just a mess to walk into. I can only imagine. And they didn't practice. You know what I mean? What, what was the, the thing? They hadn't practiced in a month or something like yeah, that? Because of the, I mean, that hurts. But I'm sure a lot of other teams. I was just going to say that 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 only goes so far because other teams yeah. have gone through. But it might impact issues. teams differently. Yeah, we don't know that. I mean, right. Uh, you know. All right, we're out of time. Um, we're back next week. Uh, I'm actually now finally done my class, so I can focus on the podcast again here. Uh, as by the uh, you know, uh, and again, I hope everybody has a good holiday over the weekend. Enjoys baseball back next. I got week. my second shot today. You got your second shot today. My wife this, got hers yesterday, and so far she she seems okay. Yeah, the CDC is saying that you can now fully travel about the country. Well, today, yeah. I my take on all that is I will like I said we're supposed to go to Myrtle Beach uh, the end of June. Mm-hmm. I have every intention of going, but it'll be in a car. You know, obviously, the trip to uh, Ireland in July. For the golf thing, I think depends more on Ireland mm-hmm. than on me. But aside from that, I don't think we're getting on a plane to go anywhere until 22. That's just me. Like, I think if I go anywhere, it's going to be in a car. Um, if I do get on an airplane, I'm probably going to wear a mask. And everybody can look at me and make fun of me. I don't really care. Um, I just think I'm going to lay a little low. Well... I'm my one vacation that's planned right now is I'm going. I'm scheduled uh, to go to Disney. But you're driving Clearwater, right? and we're driving. Yeah, well, that's. I, fine. I think my first time on an airplane. Look, I don't like flying. Period. Anyway, um, my first time on an airplane could be in October, uh, because Joey, my stepson, and I are talking about going to uh, see Notre Dame at the end of October. So you can drive. You can drive to that, Kevin. Yeah, but I may have to do it. It's complicated, but I may. Because of school? Well, with school, yeah. I may have yeah. to leave on a Friday night or, like, you yeah. know, we're 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 trying to get uh, the scoreboard show that I did on MPV. We're trying to get it on um, as a business proposition. Well, not a business proposition, but we're trying to find another radio station for it. And so, you know, I have to be up back here for that on Friday night. So I may See, fly out on Saturday I would morning. think that part of the 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 pleasure of going to Notre Dame is the drive out and the drive back. That's just me. I could, and I understand your situation. Well, yeah. In a perfect world, you'd leave like early Friday morning. Yeah. Go know, to pepper and, alley and all that. Absolutely. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, well, uh, it, it's possible we could do that, but it's also like, like I said, you know, I'm going to be doing my student teaching. So, and, so you would fly to Chicago, fly to Chicago and drive out and drive yeah. two hours. Yeah. Okay. Which is um, an easy drive. It really is an easy drive. If anybody's oh, I've done, done it. it. Me, Joe and I did it because whenever we went to a Villanova Notre Dame football or basketball game, yeah, we flew to Chicago and, and drove. In fact, I don't think I ever – I flew into South Bend once, but it wasn't for a game. It was for a, um, the year the Phillies lost in the, in the World Series in 93. And Notre Dame, was, that was the year they went unbeaten. Played Florida State. I went out for the Florida State game, but I went out. No, I went out before the Florida State game, like the sixth week of the year, just to do a story on the fact that they were like, that's when we would spend money and do stuff the collision, like that. On the collision course, right. The night that Dutch Dalton, that they lost the 15-14 game, I was in a bar with the guy, 
the, the announcer, one of the Notre Dame announcers or something, uh, um, we were watching the game. And Dutch hit the grand slam that turned into a foul ball. And then I'm watching the game as, Rick, as Ricky Henderson's hitting a ball in the right center field that Dyster can't get to. And I'm like, they're going to lose this game. Like, how is this possible? And and they did. Um, and flying into South Bend. But then you had to take one of those puddle jumpers. You know? And it, did you see what happened to the Utah basketball team the other night? Yeah, that was scary. You think? <laughs> the Donovan Mitchell basically, I think, is pretty much told people he don't know when the next time he's getting on a plane. Because he, he's a good flyer, apparently, anyway. Right. Um, but, yeah, they, they thought – I mean, you remember the thing with Dana and Villanova basketball like 15 years ago, right? Yeah. Coming out of Providence. Yeah. And that was really scary. Um, But, yeah, I mean, look, I've never been in – I've been in a plane that had to return to the airport. Yeah. Um, And, and we returned to the airport and there was fire engines on the ground. I've had, I've had a plane where I blew a tire. On landing. Oh, ooh. Oh, that ooh. was fun. Ooh. That was fun. And, yeah. And we, Where'd you end up at? Did you end up on the runway or? Well, fortunately, it's one of those double ended, you know, it was the double uh, tire. Okay. Okay. Um, and there was also a flight between Philly and Charlotte that we were connecting the good of Myrtle Beach. And my dad, who worked as an airplane mechanic in, in the Air Force uh, before he went into the department, um, heard the guy go, like, we're walking out of the plane, <laughs> and the mechanic goes to the pilot, why the hell did you fly this plane? It has no hydraulics left, like, pretty that, much. That's, that's always a good thing. That's plan. always good. He, he didn't tell me until we landed in Myrtle Beach. And now, it, the hydraulics are, like, the one thing you can't lose. You can't have, yeah. Like, there no. was fluid all over the place. But, see, I never, I only did that, like, once in my life, and I never made that mistake again. Never fly Myrtle Beach through somewhere. Oh, no, never. If I can't get a direct flight to Myrtle Beach, I'm driving. Yeah. There's no way I do this. Or or, out, or, or get all, yeah. Um, or you can fly to Columbia and drive to Myrtle Beach. That's not too bad. Or fly to Wilmington, but then you got to get a direct flight to Wilmington. But And it's easier. That's where you usually end up going into Charlotte. Yeah. I got diverted to Wilmington once, and they gave me, like, a free ticket, and then they bust us down to Myrtle Beach. But, which wasn't horrible. Right. Um, but yeah, it's hey, look, if I be honest with you, other than me going to Hawaii or Bermuda, um, if I never get on a plane again in my life, like it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. No, I'll be honest, like the only I'm thinking about going to Vegas next year and I'm thinking about going to um well, next summer I want to go out to the West Coast. I want to go see I've never been to Dodger Stadium, for example. So I've been um by the way uh you mentioned notre dame right and we one of our favorite things here is talking about food oh mm. i actually have an update for you i think i i think i told you that uh trey tory trey colory was closed just just opened up and it just said. reopened yeah right yeah at notre dame did you go to parisi's kevin funny thing is i've only been I, i've never really eaten like when i was in notre dame i wonder i probably went to a sports bar Right. Or something, which I don't usually frequent. I, I never remember going to like a a restaurant oh, in South Par- Bend. Parisi's is awesome. Yeah. Because when you're there on a football weekend. Yeah, it's you, just you know, get in and get out. Yeah, exactly. And when Joe and I would go for basketball, we would usually eat in Chicago. Yeah, which is a pretty good Joe, which is a pretty know, good choice, too. Uh, yeah. McCat- um, Fran- uh, Jack used to tell me, because he used to be out there with Franny a lot. Sure, sure. Jack mentioned 
Parisi's, and I took my wife there when we went in yeah. 17, and it was incredible. Oh, my South God. South Bend so just good. seems to me, like, it reminds me a little bit about being in Wisconsin. A little bit. You, you know, cheese, beer, brats. Well. Kind of. Honestly, I don't know if that's totally fair. Oh, no, I don't mean. No, I know that's not fair, but that's what the, the oh. few times I've been there. Yeah. It kind of looks like that kind of town to me. I'm sure it's not. You know, but yeah. it just looks like a, like one of those Midwest towns where, you know, people kind of like they like a good brat. They like some cheese and they like beer or whiskey, I guess, or yeah. whatever they drink at the bars in Notre Dame. Um, by the way, before uh, next week, uh, like I said, we're going to try to get some guests back on. That That's my fault. I've been lax on trying to get guests. And uh, so I think we're looking Tuesday, Michael, and maybe Friday next week. Okay. Um, and it'll probably be later in the day because I'm hoping to start back at school. Masters uh, next week, baby. Masters next week. We got baseball. We got the NBA getting towards the playoffs. Uh, and we're going to have the draft. So April's going to perk up real quick here. So. Yeah. And Howie might make another trade before then. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, if they move back up, like if they make some kind of trade to get back up to like eight, let's say. Yeah. I'm, I'm just throwing out a number. And they give up some of what they got by making the first trade in the first place. I, I'm going to throw up. I am. I'm just okay. because at some point you're being too smart. Oh yeah. Um, and this look, I have no problem with what they did, as long as the picks turn out to get them something. If the picks turn out to get them nothing or very little, mm-hmm. and the sixth pick turns out to be Chase or pits or whomever um you know yeah whatever but how he'll still have a job it won't matter no he's here for life um so yeah him and bill self exactly both, both uh, they both life. have the lifetime deals that every and year both, it completes it just kicks a, over they another both want a trophy that's yeah unbelievable all right michael okay babe see all you right. later all right thanks to you for joining us have a great easter weekend We'll see you next week. This has been We're Gonna Beat.